Hey everybody, if you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and check it out today. Okay, welcome to www.cvasps.com's weekly Friday with the Docs. This Friday we're going to have a podcast with Dr. Michael Yeses where we are going to talk about his article from last Friday. Uh, you know, where we talk about a trendy little buzzword as he started the article out uh, with athleticism. Doc, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're you're busy here, and we really appreciate you doing this. Well, my pleasure, Jay. All right. Well, Doc, I guess we should start out here first just talking about the article. Um, and really, more importantly, like, why did you write it? You know, it, it seems as though this was, uh, this was something that kind of got under your skin a little bit, so I'd, I'd kind of like to hear the, the backdrop to the to the painting here. Yeah, it, uh, you hit the nail on the head where it got under my skin. Um, I get so, I don't know what the word is, uptight, perturbed, frustrated, act off. And I keep reading all these articles in the paper and listening to these commentators during the game talking about how oh, athletic that athlete is. You know, it's like we must be so accustomed to mediocrity that when somebody does something that should be done all the time, we think it's outstanding and it's really amazing. Gee, the guy jumped up and caught the ball. Isn't this amazing? He jumped up high. I mean, what gives? Like uh, just the other day I read in the paper about quarterbacks now, the, the football games. There are more football games where quarterbacks averaging over 300 yards in passing. And 10 years ago, they were lucky to get six games in the season they already have about 20 or 30 games so far this year. And they attribute this to the athleticism of the receivers. What does that tell you about all the safeties and cornerbacks and all the people trying to guard against the pass? That means that they don't have any athleticism. How else could they allow all of this to happen? It's just getting outrageous where somebody does something good Ought to be because he's athletic. This is what really perturbs me. You can see I get off carried away with that, but it really galls me. Instead of saying, "Look, guy's skilled," and this is what all elite athletes should be. 
So it means we're doing a terrible job in developing our athletes. This guy is so outstanding. He wasn't born with this. He learned how to do these things. He developed the ability to jump high or cut quick or whatever it might be. He didn't grow up with it. He's not born with it. He had to learn it and develop it. But when are we going to get on a ball and start doing this? Yeah, I'll get off my soapbox. Sorry, Jay. No, you know, and that's actually a perfect lead-in. I mean, it, you know, looking at this and, and talking about, you know, the, the buzzword, as we may call it, um, let's start from ground zero here. You know, let's let's look at the training, and let, let's talk about here in a general sense, you know, where do we start our training to, I guess you could say, eliminate the complacency that we have with mediocrity when it comes to athletic development and being a performance coach, you know, um, it's starting from the general, let's let's start there, and, and as we progress the conversation, Doc, we'll move forward. But in a general sense, where do we start to eliminate this? Right. Number one has to be the thing of skills. Now, I've saying this for many years, and coaches jump all over me and saying, "Oh, they teach skills. They teach skills." Well, if they taught skills, we would not have this major discrepancy. I can guarantee you that skills are not taught. And when they are taught, they do a terrible job. Now, why do I say this? Very easily. There's a good reason for it. The main reason is that the universities are not teaching skills. They're not teaching future kinesiology teachers or physical education teachers about skill development. Uh, Coaches... All your coaching clinics, I can guarantee you that you have not seen clinics devoted to how to run better, how to jump. They might have jump high, but how to jump, how to throw a ball. These are the things that we should be focusing in on. We don't. Instead, we're, we're so enamored with more strength. And the more strength we get, this is supposed to permeate all of our skills. It doesn't. Getting stronger only means you're getting stronger. It does not mean you're throwing the ball better or further. It does not mean you're running faster or further. You have to have the skill. You're going to develop the strength. The strength has to be developed in a manner that is going to duplicate what occurs running or throwing or hitting or whatever it might be. Anyway, I, I said quite a bit then, and... Uh, See how this is a topic that's really hot to me. No, yeah, it, it, you're not you're not hiding that at all, Doc. No, and you know that I appreciate that from you. But um, so we, we, you talked about the skill, but let's talk about the early aspect of training in the yearly cycle, and let's talk about just the general preparation mode or the general preparation phase. If we're going to look to improve this quote athleticism. Where are we starting? Where do you see that starting with an athlete? All right. Coaches and maybe strength coaches first have to learn what's involved in the different skill executions. In other words, if they're going to be responsible for doing this, and I'm not saying they are, but I don't see anybody else doing it, and I figure, well, the strength coaches probably in the ideal position uh, because of the work he, that he does. 
Well, they first have to learn what's involved in skill execution. Now, who's going to be do, doing the teaching? I don't know. Uh, but there has that we have to have some clinics, seminars, uh, more books, articles, and whatnot that really get into what is involved in throwing a ball, hitting a ball, kicking a ball, so on. See, now I made a stab at this. In fact, a pretty good dent, I could say. My book, Can uh, Build a Better Athlete? As far as I know, it's the only book that really has all these sequence pictures taken from live digital film explaining what happens, all the joint actions that occur, how you can teach it and learn more about it, how you can develop strength specific to this technique. This is the kind of information that all strength coaches really need or whoever's going to be doing the skill teaching. And it has to be done during the general physical preparation. This is the ideal time for it. So skills should rank right up along with strength, flexibility, agility, whatever it might be. It's a key component. And also, if I can add one other item here, get into the specialized uh, training and specialized physical preparation exercises. They have to entail an element of technique. Otherwise, it's not a specialized exercise. In other words, you have to develop strength. Same neuromuscular pathway as seen in execution of the skill. Strength has to be developed in the same range of motion as during execution of the skill. So the skill is ultra important. Without it, there's no way in the world we can really improve the performance of an athlete. What as I said, performance. Not just strength. Strength by itself doesn't mean a thing. You have to look at improving performance on the field or in the court. This is where the money is. This is where it counts. Not just on, a, on results that you can post on a wall. That's garbage. You have to get into where it really counts and makes an athlete better. Better performer. Okay, I'll be quiet again. No, that's, that's actually that's awesome because it's leading me right to the third one. And, you know, you and I in the past, Doc, we've talked about this and how I kind of separate specialized exercises into kind of two different realms. And, and, you know, we talked yesterday about it, you know, the general sporting specialized exercises where we're looking at cutting and sprinting and running and jumping and things of that nature. Since you've kind of already taken the jump, talking from the general strength and how that needs to still be um, – Let's call it specialized. Um, although I guess we, we wouldn't use that term. It needs to be specific. Um, talk a little bit, if you could, about these general specialized exercises, you know, the, the ones that work for any sport where you're running and jumping and cutting. All right. Uh, this really goes back, Jay, I think, to what we should really be doing in general physical preparation. Here, we need more exercises that really develop all of the muscles and joints of the entire body. This is what we mean by physical preparation. You're preparing the body for more intense work that follows, especially in a specialized training part. So, I have found that it takes well over 20 to 20, 
between 20 and 30 exercises in order to really hit all of the major and minor muscles of the body. And if you take a look at most general conditioning programs, they're hung up on a big three, four, or five. Oh, we got to do the squat. We got to do the deadlift. We got to do uh, the bench and sometimes maybe a power clean or something of this nature. And supposedly, these exercises develop all the muscles of the body. It's impossible. And do it. Wrist, for example, the wrist flexion is so important in basketball shooting. That's not being developed by these exercises. So we need an exercise specific to that action. And you take a look at all the joints. You need to strengthen the agonist as well as the antagonist. So you take a look at every single joint. That's at least two exercises for each joint. In the midsection, we need even more because it, it doesn't do two actions. It does three actions. Or if we take a look at the back and the abdominals, that's six different actions. So we need a multitude of exercises at the beginning to get the high intensity. This is what we've been doing, and look at the results we've been getting, but only using one set of uh, 20, really a range of, let's say, 15 to 22 or 23, which can't always hit 20. Mm -hmm. So when we use this range, we can do a multitude of exercises. Now we're developing a body ready more intense work. This is not being done. This is really what general physical preparation means. Get the body ready for intense work. Hey. Yeah, no, you know, the, and the one set of 20, I think, is something that people kind of look at and, and don't understand, you know, the the importance of that if we want to call it high volume, which I would almost argue it's really not because most people would start at three sets of 10 and 30 reps is more than 20. Um, but the constant work in that area to develop the connective tissue, you know, like we talked about um, just last week, to and to develop just the general properties of the muscle so that it's ready for the higher intensity work. Um, it it really is the building block for everything that we did this summer and that we're doing right now in, in the preseason with with our guys. So it, I think that that's, that's one big thing that I hope people can take away from this is that it's to take a step back and to look at this and to realize that that one set of 20 covering all the joint angles really is important. And it, it really, you know, it, as cheesy as this is, it's the foundation of the house. Right. See, and you know, let me add one other thing that can help explain a little bit, Jay. Uh, just let's use some common uh, logic. If we're doing 20-plus exercises, and if we did three sets of 10 for each one, how long is that going to take? The guy would be hard-pressed to even complete them. Yeah. He'd be wiped out before he could even get to the end. That's another reason why we only do one set. And when you accumulate 20, 25 exercises, only one set, that's a heck of a workout. Sometimes even tougher than the guy doing three sets of 10 with only three exercises, mm -hmm. four exercises. So we got to take a look at how many exercises we're doing, how long it takes, and what results we're getting from it. And you're going to get better results 
they're doing only one set, and and this is backed up by research. This is not, uh, you know, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist for this. There have been multiple studies showing that at the beginning, in the beginning stages, it doesn't matter how many sets and reps and whatnot you do, you're still going to be getting strength. But one one set gives you the same results as two or three in the beginning stages. That's why after the first year, the second and third year, things change. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean you stay on this program forever. If this is where too many people get locked in. They think, oh, it is the program that's going to be using this for the rest of my life. There are stages. This is what I mean by progression, periodization. We bandy these terms around, but we don't really use them. Understand them. No, you know, and you hit the nail on the head is is that understanding that, you know, side note, I understand that for some people it's very, very difficult to be able to individualize and structure workouts in the same manner that you can or I can, you know, because you're almost strictly one-on-one with with the kids. With me, I've got smaller groups, four, six athletes. But if you've got eight teams coming in throughout the day, all of them are 20 kids, 30 kids, whatever it may be, I understand that this can be difficult. Now, with that being said, even if it is just progressing them, almost generally is year one, year two, year three. And I know that that's not ideal, but it it's still plausible. It's still able to be done. Oh, definitely. And I know that coming into our next year with this, we're going to start with the 20s. But I also know that the kids that have done this for the year and a half, two years, are going to be in the 20s a lot less than the kids that are just finishing their freshman year. Usually it's going to be about three weeks max. Oh, yeah. I I actually was counting on two. You know, hoping, you know, if we can get a third, that'd be great. But I was counting on two. Yeah. Um, but it's it, and it's something that it comes from understanding the athletes you're working with and being able to read them and being able to establish knowing where they are before they do by your relationship with them and understanding, all right, it's time to make a change. But I mean, no, I mean it's it's awesome stuff, man. It's it works. <laughs> I mean, it's, people want to know, well, this, that, and the other thing. It works. Period. No question about it. You know, I've been saying this for years, and it may be one of the reasons a lot of people haven't picked up on it. Like you said, I work as one-on-one with athletes, and most coaches think, oh, that's just a fluke, or. He probably had to be using the juice on his side or whatever, rather than really looking at what's being done and trying it. The, the, the philosophy today is so ingrained that you got to do it this way. It's hard for people to break out of the mold. We yeah. have to start doing this. We have to break out of the mold. This is not just thinking outside the box. This is using good, sound, scientifically-based information. And that's why you get results. Not a guess, not hoping for something to change. We know it's going to change. 
course, it's based on good, sound information. I know if I put O2 together with um, hydrogen, I'm going to get water. This is not a guessing game. It's proven. It'll happen. But the same yep. thing with training. You do this, it will happen. You will get stronger. You will get better. So, yeah, it's uh, something that just takes a while for most people to finally take that step and say, you know, I think I'll try it. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing that I'd like to say about it, Doc, is that people like to throw the KISS principle out there all the time. It's not any simpler than what we did this offseason. It's not. Um, You know, and, and there'll be some things that will come out in the future about how we handle this and, and the programming and the development and all that. but So I don't want to get too bogged down in that right now. But the simplicity and the effectiveness are exactly what we are looking for as performance coaches. And it's almost... It's almost crazy how simple it really is when you take a step back and look at it. It looks crazy. It does. It looks nuts. Like when you put it on paper and you look at it, you're like, this is insane. But when you step back and you watch the kids and you see what's going on, it really is the simplest thing that you could come up with. Right. And it's probably the most effective thing that I've come across. But let's try to get back on track here, Doc. You know, we both can uh, get into these side rants like it's our actual true profession here. So we've talked general. We've talked about the general specialized exercises. Now let's talk about specific skills. What are we looking at here? What are we looking to develop? And what could you say to a person like me in the college setting? who works basically for a sport coach, what can you tell him or her that can – because the fear here, Doc, is if I mess with my guy's jump shot, I'm losing my job. What can you tell me here to alleviate that fear? Uh, You – Bring up a sensitive and but very very important and critical uh, question and problem that faces most coaches in the field. Uh, the biggest problem is that most of the sports coaches also do not understand technique. Most of them believe that this is a God-given talent. The athletes are born with it. This is why recruiting is such a big thing today got to recruit the kid that's got all of these abilities already developed because the coach is not going to say to himself, hey, there's a kid that's really got great potential. I want him, and in two years, I'm going to make him an All-American. We don't have this kind of thinking. The thinking that goes on is we got to get the best. And once you have the best, then you don't mess with it. Like the old saying, if it ain't, you know, when it comes to technique changes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And this is why the coach typically jumps all over the uh, strength coach if he wants to mess with his technique. So, again, it's the education. How's that coach going to learn that, hey, look, these guys can be better if we would improve their technique? See, now, in a way, you 
you are in, you are really doing this in a way, like for example with the cutting. I'm almost sure you've seen a big difference in the ability of the athletes to execute the cutting action. And mainly because they never really had a good one to begin with. Oh, it's rare to get a, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the basketball player, his name is on the tip of my tongue, who played for Philadelphia, Iverson. No, you know, it's rare to get an Iverson who uh, learned a lot of this from playing, uh, I think it was soccer that he played as, as a youth, uh, football. his youth. He was, so, uh, he was a football player. Yeah, but I think he played soccer too. Oh, Some of his stuff. Either way, football, see, is not uh, conducive to learning how to cut. Um, you know, but in soccer, you have to be able to cut well to be able to be a good player. So he learned some of the elements there. But regardless of, you know, Iverson, it doesn't matter. See, as you develop this ability in the athletes with these exercises, and they improve their ability to execute the cutting action, they automatically became better players. Being a coach is impressed. Boy, they're right quicker now. He doesn't understand that all you really did was teach them a new technique, one that they didn't have before. So if the coach can understand that, you know, we can do things, I know what I'm doing. I'm not just doing this. I'm not pulling things out of thin air. I know if we improve this skill, he's going to be a better performer. See, like there's one thing I was going to hit you with in, in time. Let's say we talk about the jump shot. All right, we can leave the typical jump shot alone. But, you know, there's a way of executing a quicker jump. Well, the shot might be the same, but why not learn in some instances where it could be very beneficial, a quick takeoff? This comes if you take a look at volleyball players. The outside hitters, they use one technique of getting ready to jump up, and it's kind of slow. They take their time and then really leap up to hit. But the middle, middle players... Middle blockers and whatnot, they execute a different type of jump in order to get up quickly to block the uh, to block the uh, spike. You saw there are other techniques that can be used very effectively. So this is something that I think would be great for you to teach your athletes. It's not going to interfere with their jump shot. It's just another skill that you put into your arsenal of skills. Use it when the situation arises. Right. This is what we try doing with all athletes. You want to develop all the abilities so when that situation in the game occurs, you're going to be able to execute as needed. Not just be limited by only being able to do one, two, or three things. So we need more of this teaching again. Still goes back to maybe breaking, it, breaking the coach in slowly. There are things we can do that the coach may not even know about it. But when he sees it, he'll say, man, wasn't that great? See? And then you can little by little say, yeah, we worked on this. It's just another aspect. We didn't mess with his technique. We just added something to it. And I think maybe they'll start getting the uh, idea that way. At least that's right. my thing. No, and I'm with you there. I think that, you know, making the little changes I think has less of an impact than we give ourselves credit for right. uh, you know it's 
But with that being said, making the little changes also is what causes the big adaptations. If oh, that, definitely. If that makes sense. Sure. Um, you know, just taking the general cutting action and going from walking, putting your foot in the ground, and walking out at 90 degrees and learning that and turning that into walking into jogging out. Just that little tweak. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. five pounds. Putting five pounds on the bar. Putting, you know, putting a, a half an inch on the height of a depth jump. Just those little tweaks are the things that, what, that cause the adaptation. And it's it's really neat to watch the uniformity of the adaptations as they progress. And yeah. how they all end out being so intermingled. Um, it's really, really neat. And it's really something that is overlooked and needs to be understood and followed to a greater degree, I think. Oh, definitely. I agree 100% with what you're saying, Jay, and I think there's some way that we can uh, develop this area even more so. Perhaps even more importantly, let's get rid of all of the stuff that doesn't work. Like, for example, in talking about cutting, I know I'm outspoken on this, but I say all of these ladder drills that are typically done, the aim of improving agility and quickness, do just the opposite. They create more slowness in the athlete. See, so we got to get rid of some of these things that we're doing that everybody believes is the secret to improving speed. See, we do all of these things, but nobody does the follow-up on it. If I do all of these drills, did I really become quicker? Nobody checks on this. Everybody just assumes that he's now going to be quicker. If they would look at reality, they'll find out he did not become quicker. He's actually slower. So we need a little bit more follow-up here. And I think if we can show coaches, look, what you're doing is not really helping the athlete. He really needs this and this and this. Then maybe things will start changing a little bit. Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree with you more with that. Um, to to backtrack so people understand, we're talking about selecting exercises that have a direct carryover to the performance and to the sporting actions that you're using. This is not the general phase that we just talked about. This is the next phase. This is as we progress. You know, the general phase, we have to set the work capacity, you know, set the strength for the, the connective tissues, you know, have the general fitness level for us to be able to advance to this more advanced, more specified training. The general phase needs to have everything. That as we get more specific, these type of things are nothing more than a a dog and pony show. You know, it's oh look at this, it looks cool, but what is it really accomplishing? Right. You know, it. what's the point in doing something, you know, and I hate to steal a line from Yosef, but he's dead on. 
what's the point in doing something if it's not going to get a kid a scholarship, get them paid, or win them a medal? If it's not going to make them better at what they're doing, there's no point in doing it. And you can't come up with some sort of construed, I hate to use the word, but phony reasoning in your head because all you're doing is hurting the kids. Right. If it if you can't prove it, don't do it. Well, that's, I like that's it. it. Maybe that's what we should, you know, push for. If you can't prove it, don't do it. Yeah. And it's um I mean, yeah, really that that's kind of a catchy line. I like that. Um but, yeah, you know, I think that you hit the nail on the head there. Well, Doc, as always, man, an enlightening conversation, a great conversation. I'm really excited to hear what our readers slash listeners have to say about this. Hopefully they'll post us some comments either directly under the podcast here or on our Facebook page, um, which hopefully, if you're listening to it you and listening to this, you've liked us there already. Um, Doc, they can also follow you on Facebook, correct? And they can also go to dryesis.com. Correct. To follow uh, even more information, although, you know, we, we are posting a lot of your stuff as well. Um, so for everybody out there listening, please hop on board, like dryesis.com on Facebook, you know, sign up for the newsletter on the website. Again, that is www.dryesis.com. Uh, Doc, again, man, thank you very much. It was it was awesome, and I look forward to doing this again real soon. Right, same here, Jay, and I, I, I sure look forward to it. All righty. Thanks, Doc. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.